Scripture lesson today comes from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, known as the letter to the Romans. We're going to share in chapter 12, verses 11 and 13 together. Let's share in God's good word. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the Master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Today we are going to talk about something we don't want to talk about. Today I'm going to talk about something I really don't want to talk about. I'm going to talk about something I have been through myself, and I don't want to go through it again. I've had a season in ministry, no, that's not right, actually seasons of ministry, plural, where in caring for others, I did not adequately care for myself. That was a mistake. I never lost my faith. I never stopped reading the scriptures. I did have a sermon to write. I still prayed. It's just that I felt numb. I couldn't feel my faith anymore. Maybe that's happened to you. I didn't get excited or overjoyed at things that once thrilled me. I also didn't grieve loss as well. I wanted to laugh or cry. I just didn't have it in me. I would pray and read scripture and all I would hear or sense was silence. Ancients have called it the dark night of the soul where our faith is matured and deepened into a love and relationship with God beyond the emotional goodies of early faith. I think that happens. It's happened to me. But to be fair and honest, even after my faith had been deepened and matured, I still get numb sometimes if I'm not intentional about rest, friendships, nutrition, and self-care. You know the feeling. It's like everyone just wants a piece of you. Just a few minutes of your time, just a little advice, just a moment to look something over just a quick phone call, and you give, and you give, and you give without refueling, and eventually, there's nothing left. When your life shrinks to where it feels like everyone needs something from you, and you are afraid to connect because you have nothing left to give, you have entered burnout. Whew, I said it. I've been burned out before, and I bet you have too, or been close to it. I've had seasons where I refused to go into Walmart because I was afraid I would see someone who knew me and I did not even have a smile or hello left in me. But here's the good news, friends. You can come back. It may take a while. It will take a change in the way you live. It will take others to come alongside you. But together, we can overcome burnout. So let's get started as we continue in our series Holding on to hope, overcoming life's unexpected challenges. As a way of introduction, this entire series is about this. Our life is a gift from God, and who we become in this life is our gift back to God and to those around us. And so while we're looking at burnout today, in the weeks leading up to today, everything we've talked about really kind of all leads up to burnout. So I want to review it very quickly with you. Week one, we talked about cynicism and how do we overcome that? Because as you get older, the more you know, the more you hurt. The wisdom literature in Ecclesiastes says it like this, much learning earns you much trouble. The more you know, the more you hurt. And at age 53, I certainly know this to be true. You have to guard your heart and make sure that we continue to turn our eyes to things above rather than all the pain that can be here and the earth below. And there's good news, friends. Your past is not your future. 
if Jesus is involved, because we are Easter people. We are people of the resurrection. So let's make sure that each week we're inviting Jesus into our lives to guide us and make us new. In week two, we talked about overcoming temptation, where we put our character first and we make our talk match our walk. Super important. Another way to say this is simply refuse to lie. If you are a truth teller, then it's going to be amazing if you say exactly the truth about who you really are, how your walk will actually elevate to your talk because you're not going to want to say the truth about those parts of your life that are still not aligned. In week three, Pastor Brandon helped us learn how to overcome disconnection. And he said this, loving our specific neighbors requires seeing them and spending time with them. And that's absolutely right. By the way, Pastor Brandon's doing good. Um, if you don't know already, they had their little girl. They've got two girls now, and we celebrate that with them. And so we'll see Pastor Brandon back in just a few weeks. Uh, so last week, week four, we talked about overcoming pride. And pride makes us artificial, and humility makes us real. Uh, the great theologian Thomas Merton said that. Uh, if you haven't read Merton, I recommend him to you. And that's exactly right. Jesus was humble. We are to be like him. And it's in our humility and our vulnerability that we become real with God and with one another. And Jesus said this about humility. He said, all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. And Jesus actually told a parable, a story about this in Luke, where uh, he warns you, don't, you know, don't sit at the head table and be humiliated when you know, the host says, you got to move down because someone greater than you, you're in their seat. He says, no, when you go to a party, go sit at the back and someone will raise you up. We can trust God with our lives to raise us up. We can be people of humility and trust that God will take care of us. So how do you do that in real life? How do you help live out humility? Well, if you're out to a restaurant this week, um, hold the door for others to go in front of you and stay behind them in line. You can do that really wherever you go. And in humility, you, we place others before ourselves and we trust God to take care of us. This week, we're talking about burnout. And the term burnout was coined in the 1970s by American psychologist Herbert Freudenberger to describe the consequences of severe stress and high ideals in, helping, in the helping professions. Particularly, he was looking at doctors and nurses, and certainly during the pandemic, we have seen this. There's so much grief, and there's so much work, and there's so much tiredness, and there's so much pain that it's really hard not to burn out if you give and give and give and don't replenish. This is also, of course, true uh, for pastors and counselors and teachers and frontline workers in all kinds of places. And our world has changed so much since the 1970s that today, burnout can affect anyone from students who are overwhelmed and homemakers to even celebrities. So in the 70s, it was really about helping professions. And then in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, it was really focused largely on work. But today, we're so connected with our smartphones and the internet that really any of us can become overwhelmed and burned out if we're not careful. Because burnout is actually about stress and about the way we live. And so a stressful lifestyle, being overworked, under-challenged, uh, also things like time pressure, where you're just always pressure at your work or it's unending, uh, caring for an ill relative, uh, and certainly unresolved conflicts with coworkers, 
We're going to have conflicts with coworkers. That's inevitable and somewhat unavoidable. But if you leave it unresolved, that will weigh on you. And it can become so weighty, you can not be able to function. You can't kind of carry on. And so unresolved conflicts with coworkers all contribute to stress and possible burnout. And so really, wherever you find yourself, uh, any extreme commitment, right, one, one that's really all-encompassing. Sometimes you see this with high-end athletes, um, whether they're young or older. This extreme commitment that results in neglecting your own needs may lead to burnout. Really, what we're talking about is how so often we forget about self-care and how important that is. And so I know that a lot of people use burnout in a lot of different ways. Some people use it uh, simply because they're having a bad day. That's not it. Others talk about, oh, well, I'm just burned out when really they're clinically depressed and they need clinical help uh, and medication. I mean, they really, really do need some help. So uh, let's just say this, that burnout is complicated, right? And so I'm not a licensed professional counselor. I am not giving you medical advice today. I am giving you hopefully some spiritual wisdom that might lead you uh, to get some help. And, and I hope that you will. But let's just say this, that if, if I don't cover everything today, that's going to be okay because I know and hopefully you know now that burnout is, say it with me, complicated. And it can be confused with both exhaustion and depression. And this term burnout, I, I think is a good one because if you've ever gone camping, um, I used to camp all the time as a scout. Um, and one of the things that we did with the cooking merit badge, for example, is that you have to cook over a campfire. And it's really good. I love that smoky flavor. I love a, a cooked meal over an open fire. It's just awesome. I, I just really like it. I dig it. I think it's awesome. And, but one of the things you learn in Scouts is how to build a fire. And you learn how hard it is uh, to get it started sometimes. You know, it's not like in your home where you just push the button and it's there. I mean, it, it can take a long time to get a good cooking fire, not just one that looks nice, but one that you could actually cook on that has enough heat and enough even heat to do. And so the thing is, imagine you go to bed after you've, you've had this wonderful meal and you're thinking, oh, the, the fire's so strong and so good that when I wake up, I can almost taste, you know, the breakfast hash that I'm going to have. And when you come out of your tent and you look at the fire and you've been dreaming about this all night, all you have is ashes just ashes just cold ashes and there's no smoke and there's no glow and there's no fire and you know that it might take you all the way to lunchtime to rebuild that fire because once the fire is truly out all the way out once it's burned out it takes a long time to come back and that's one of the signs of burnout so here's a checklist. How do you know if you're burned out? How do you know if you might need um, some real help? Well, the first is this, that the joy of life is gone, but the functions of life continue. You're just going through the motions. You don't really have a life. You, you just are going through the motions. So you know what you're doing is important, uh, your work, and you appreciate that. And I mean, you still have your mind and you're like, oh, well, that's important or that was good. Or, and the thing is, it doesn't matter if you get a thank you note. Um, I mean, they're nice and we should do that and they're so wonderful to get. But I can remember seasons in my life where I would get two or three cards or four or five phone calls or uh, even six or seven attaboys from people. And if I had not done self-care for six months or a year or two years or three years, it just 
couldn't fill me up. I had depleted myself so much that even a nice note didn't do much for me. I mean, I appreciated it, and I knew in my mind that that should really lift me. It just didn't. There was more that I needed to do. Or you might even be at a family meal or gathering, and, and you know you should be excited to see Grandma. You're just not. Or a new baby in the family. There's just another mouth to feed. When you start getting to those moments where you know you should be excited or happy about something, and the emotions never come, you need to seriously consider getting some help and telling someone what you're really thinking and what you're really feeling. Because when you don't feel it anymore, that's a problem. So the second thing is much like it. You no longer feel the highs or the lows. Maybe you go to a funeral of a good friend or maybe even a loved one, and you know that at some point you would expect yourself to weep or to cry or to feel sad, but you just don't. You just show up, you feel numb, you feel nothing, you go on about your day because you've got other stuff to do. The highs and the lows, they just disappear. And the scripture talks about this, about what life is really supposed to be like, what it can be like, a full, joyful life. The scripture says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's what a full, emotional, spiritual, healthy life looks like. Kerry Newhoff puts it pointedly. He says this, you're designed to celebrate when people are celebrating and mourn when people are mourning. If that's not happening, something's wrong. The third thing on the checklist is this, everybody drains you. You know, when you're healthy, some people fill you up, other people you know will pull you down, and you can tell the difference. When you're burned out or burning out, everybody drains you. So here's the thing, when nobody energizes you, they're not the problem. If everybody you think of is a problem, they're not the problem, you are. That's just the truth of it. So. If everybody's draining you and nobody energizes you, those folks aren't the problem. You really need to get some help. The fourth thing on the checklist is this. Nothing satisfies you. I mean, really, really nothing. Now you think, well, you know, I just need a good night's sleep. And so you get a good night's sleep and you check your Fitbit and yep, you got your eight hours, but you're still numb, still going through the motions. You pray and your prayers hit the ceiling. They don't seem to go anywhere. You surround yourself with good people. You know they're good people. You've known them a long time, and they're awesome. They might be in your small group. They might be in your family system. They might be good colleagues, but it just isn't really changing anything. You go out for a run. You take a walk. You work out. You do everything you know to do, but you still can't feel anything. You, you take a vacation. You actually uh, take a long weekend, and you get some sunshine. And you know what? When you come back, you wish you hadn't left it all because you've got what? Work. So much more work to do. So you try to work through that, but, but you can't. So you eat and you, you try to eat more expensive food or healthier food or, or richer food or more desserts, whatever you can, but nothing works. Nothing satisfies you. You're on the edge of burnout or you're burnt out. Number five, you can't think like you used to and your productivity is dropping. I know that I'm having, a trouble, having trouble with burnout when my email starts to stack up on me, when I simply cannot sit down and answer an email. I can't think 
straight. I can't think long enough or deep enough to, to give really a, a good and wise answer to someone who's asking me a question. I'm just overwhelmed by the number of emails I'm getting and I, I simply cannot answer them. And so, and then, and then it spins on me, right? And then I get anxious and I get depressed because I know I should have answered that email yesterday. I should have answered that email three days ago. I should have answered that email a week ago or two weeks ago or a month now. And now people think I'm lame and it just, ugh, it just spins on me. When you can't think straight, when you can't do simple tasks that you used to could do in five or 10 minutes, and now you just can't get them done. That's part of the burnout. And then maybe the saddest of all, you don't laugh anymore. You just don't laugh anymore. You, you, when's the last time you had a big belly laugh, a guffaw, a big, a big deal? So here, here's a test, right? So I've been waiting to do this for months. Do you know the difference between the people who live in Dubai and the people who live in Abu Dhabi? Here, here it is. Get ready for this. The people in Dubai don't watch the Flintstones. Those in Abu Dhabi do. Now that's funny. If you didn't laugh, you might be on the checklist. All right. So number seven, you are self-medicate. Actually on number six, if you didn't laugh, it's okay. It's not funny to everybody. It's funny to me. If you know the Flintstones, dabba dabba do. Anyway, moving on. Seven, you are self-medicating. Well, what does that look like? When, when we say you're self-medicating, what does that mean? Well, you're overeating or you're overworking or maybe you're struggling with an addiction. Um, you're looking at pornography um, or you're in a, comp a compulsive uh, section in some other area of your life. Uh, perhaps you started drinking and maybe uh, you were only drinking on the weekends, but now you're drinking every night when you get home from work because you just want to get that numb back so you don't have to worry about all the stuff you've been worrying about, you, you know, like dying in the pandemic, right? Or spending, right? So when you have a day off, you, you don't relax, you don't sit in the sun, you don't play with your dog, you go to Costco and you buy everything you can uh, with the money that you have before your credit card goes tilt or you have to make your payment. Or you start using drugs. Maybe it's just a little cannabis here and there because you know it's legal in some places you can get an easy card maybe it's just a sleeping pill or two maybe it's just and then it's just so you can sleep or it's just so you can get to work or it's just so you can make it through the day or it's just so you can get on top of the pain and before you know it a day or two of that becomes a week or two of that becomes a month or two of that becomes a lifetime of that and you're just numb all the time so here's a really important thing we have to own and understand. Kerry Newhoff says this. He says, people who are burning out almost always choose self-medication over self-care. That's our choice, friends. Every person on the planet will either self-medicate or self-care. And our culture, where we live in Edmond, Oklahoma, or wherever you're watching from today, my bet is your culture values your productivity and your self-medication over your self-care. You tell your boss that you're gonna get this in and you gotta take some pills to get it done. You don't tell him you gotta take the pills to get it done, you just get it done. Or you tell him you need three weeks off to get your legs under you. Which one do you think is gonna go better? Well, you know how that goes. They really would just like for you to stay productive because they want to use you as a machine, not as a person or child of God. And we have to understand that that battle is always upon us, always working. So how, 
How do we do this? How do we change that rat race? How do we live today so you will thrive tomorrow and not crash and burn and burn out? Well, the first thing we have to do, the Bible calls confession. And that is you got to tell someone. You just got to tell someone that this is really where you are. This is what's going on in your mind. This is what's going on in your heart. You, you've stopped feeling things because God works through people. Say that with me. God works through people. Our healing comes through other people almost every time, through a doctor, through a counselor, through a nurse, through a therapist, uh, through a life coach, through other people is where our healing comes, through an AA group, through an NA group, from an SA group. That's where healing is found. For all of us. And Jesus is right in the middle of that. It's not either or. It's not either or. So I want to encourage you to get lots of help, all kinds of different help from books and podcasts and professionals. Really, if this is you today and you're going through burnout, I want you to go to the doctor. I want you to ask somebody else to go to the doctor with you so that you don't chicken out at your exam. You actually have somebody sit with you. When I go to the doctor, Chantel goes with me. Uh, oftentimes when she goes to the doctor, I go with her. And, and so it's amazing to me. I'll, I'll kind of say everything that I think is wrong with me. And Chantel still has some other things that she'd like to share with the doctor. And you know what? It helps me. You need a professional to help you. And here's the thing. I want you to have friends around you. I do. I, I want you to have friends. And that's on the list. But you know what? I'm not going to ask my friend to do open heart surgery on me. I'm going to ask a cardiologist to do open heart surgery if I ever need that. If I have cancer, I'm not going to ask my neighbor down the street. I'm going to go to an oncologist. I'm going to go to the smartest, most trained, most professional people that I can find. And so if you need medicine, you ought to be talking to an MD or a psychiatrist that can prescribe you medicine. That's who you ought to talk to. Not, not just what Aunt Sally you know, did last time that she was feeling a little blue. That's not safe. So a doctor, a psychiatrist, a licensed professional counselor, if they're Christians, that's great because we want Jesus in the middle of it. But my most important thing for you is that they're licensed and that they're professional, that they know what they're doing and they're, they haven't harmed anyone and they're not winging it, right? So it comes to doctors, psychiatrists, counselors, a coach, a spiritual director, and friends. All of these work together for your good, for your help. And Jesus can guide you and pray to Jesus about these things of you know, is this the right counselor? Sometimes it's hard to find a counselor that's meeting you in person uh, or can meet your needs or understands you. And every time I talk about counselors, I fully believe that women should be counseled by women and men should be counseled by men. It's safer, it's more helpful, and they know what you're going through in a better way uh, than anyone else. So I wanna just say that out loud. Um, email me if you need to. So here's the thing, we all, all of us, we need people who believe in you when you've stopped believing in yourself. And that's why you need lots of help from lots of different people. And here's the other thing, and you know this, you just gotta rest. Because we're all super tall four-year-olds, right? And what most four-year-olds, when they're losing it, you know what they need? A nap. So here's the thing about rest. Eight hours of sleep and one full day a week. And I don't know what you're thinking, like, Pastor Mark, you've lost your mind. I don't have a full day that I can rest once a week. You know what, God says you can. Actually, God says you must if you want the full life that Jesus promises. It's just a part of the deal. Remember the Sabbath day. This is one of the Ten Commandments, friends. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days. Yep, work six days. Work hard. You shall labor. Do all your work. But the seventh day, once every seven days, 
is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male, your female slave, your livestock, or the alien, alien resident in your town. No, if you're a manager, you can't stop working if your downline's working. Your phone's going to blow up. If your business is still open and you're the owner of the business, you're going to get blown up. And we ought not be surprised when we're burned out and depressed and stressed because we simply refuse to do what God has told us will be a blessing for our life and for the world. In case we missed it the first time, it goes on to say, For in six days God himself, the Lord, made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, but rested every seven days. And if God, the maker of the earth, the universe, the stars, the heavens, and all that's in it rests, so shall we. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. A whole day. Yep, it's a whole day. It's not an hour or two. I know it's in vogue for people to say, well, you know, I, I Sabbath every 15 minutes. No, that's, that's not what it says. And, and, and people say, oh, well, well, Jesus said that, you know, um, Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Oh, okay. I, I understand Jesus' teaching there, that we're not to be legalistic about things. But the text says we need to rest. And many of the mental health issues that we have in our culture today are because we refuse to rest. We refuse to put our phones down or leave them in the garage in our car or whatever you have to do to allow you to rest every seven days. For the Jewish people, that was sundown to sundown, Friday to Saturday. For us as people of the resurrection, that is Saturday sundown to Sunday sundown to celebrate a new life, a resurrection. Let God resurrect you every seven days and lift you up and trust him. The other thing that I found really tough is that we have to grieve our losses. Grieve your losses. This happened to me. I've had friends that I poured into for more than a decade. They just moved away. They moved to another state. Now, one of my closest friends that I would go to lunch with about every three, four weeks, I simply don't have that anymore. It's gone. And either I grieve that uh, or it's going to come around and kick me in the head some other way. I have to say, yeah, that's a real loss to me. Friends who move. Parental conflict. Some of you have parents that have been married 20, 30 years and they get divorced. You never saw it coming. And that's a real loss. No, you're not in the home anymore. No, you're not little. You have a life of your own, but still, that's a real loss. You have to grieve that. Maybe you've been affected by COVID-19, and there's illness in your home. You've had to care for people. Or maybe your parents or a sibling uh, or a child has a chronic illness, and it takes all that you have to just care for them day by day. Some of you have lost pets, and you know that those pets have treated you better than anyone else in your entire life. That loss is real. I know in my family, my mom um, had a 62 Chevy 2, three on the tree. And it was the car that she got in college and she had it all the way until I was out of college and somebody blew a stop sign and T-boned her and blew up the radiator and there were no parts to be found. I think my mom was more sad about the loss of that car. I mean, we watched her really be sad for weeks, maybe months. And you can, you can just see how she loved that Chevy too. And uh, it was cool. I used to drive it in high school and I loved it. But when that thing ended, there, it was like a full death in our family. 
We no longer had something that had been a part of our family as before I was even born, before my sister was born, before she was even married. Sometimes something like that can be a real loss. And then sometimes, of course, we have death that comes to all of us. And we have to learn how to grieve those losses. Because if we don't, our past will sabotage our future. Don't let that happen to you. Don't let your past sabotage your present and your future. Grieve it. Acknowledge it. Tell someone. Work on it so that you will have the new life that Christ has for you. So your action steps. Some of these you've heard me say already, but they're so important, I want you to catch them. First, if this is you, seek immediate professional help. A medical doctor, not a witch doctor, uh, not, not a doctor of ministry, a medical doctor, an MD, and a licensed professional counselor. I hope you'll do that tomorrow. Also, invite Jesus into the healing process to show you a life worth living because Jesus loves you and he wants what's best for you. He says this in the book of John. He says the thief, Jesus does, he says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And that is what we're talking about. This burnout that will steal and destroy your life. Don't let that happen. Jesus says that he came that you might have life and have it abundantly. That's why Christ came, that you would have life and have it abundantly. That's why Jesus came to earth for you, for all the world. And this life is a full life that has at least five major components to it. And, and here they are. This life is spiritual, emotional, relational, physical, and financial. We don't have time to go into all of that today, but here's the thing. If you're doing pretty well, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, physically, but you're dreading that credit card bill that's coming and you know it is, and you're in debt and you don't know how you're going to pay it, that will blow up the rest of it. All of these have to be in place for you to have the full life that Christ has for you. So you just got to work on them a little bit at a time. Maybe you choose, you know, one here, one week or one another week. But all of these things matter in your life because Christ wants you to have a full, abundant life. And this next thing I'm about to say might sound weird to you or impossible to you, but I want to throw it out there. And that is I want to encourage you to take more than 10 days off in a row. And I know that many of you have never done that. But if you're like me and you're responsible to manage other people, if you don't take more than 10 days off, all the work that you think you're skipping will still be on your desk when you get back. All those big decisions that you've been worrying about, none of those decisions will be made because everybody will just simply wait. If you say to somebody, oh yeah, that decision, Mark will be back in two or three days. Mark will be back in three or four days. They just wait till I get back. But if they know I'm going to be gone for two weeks, people are like, well, I can't wait that long. We have to decide. We've got to move on. We've got to make a decision. So trust your team, build your team, empower your team, and allow them to make decisions while you're out. And then when you come back, just do the work that's before you when you get back. That's why that's so important. Also, it could be while you're on vacation, but it also might just be a, a good Sabbath routine. Turn off your phone. You don't have to be available 24-7. Uh, unless you are an ER doc, it's not life and death. Probably not. So you're, you can put down your phone. You can. You're going to be okay. And unsubscribe from all those emails. You can't read them all. Just unsubscribe. And finally, the four Ds. 
If you're stressed out, if you're burned out, if you're feeling overwhelmed, delete stuff out of your life. You'll be amazed at how much stuff you really don't have to do. Delay things. You don't have to do everything today. You don't even have to do it this week. Delegate those things to others around you. You don't have to take out the trash. If you've got children and their legs work and their arms work, they can take out the trash. They can feed the dog. They can clear the table. They got to learn how to do these things sometime. Might as well be in your home. And it'll be good for them, good for you. And if you need one more thing and it's just on your mind and you can do it in five minutes or less, do it. Do it now. If you're worried about paying a credit card bill, just pay it. I mean, if you've got the money, don't make it bounce. But if you've got the money, just pay it. You can do it. So here's what Paul writes to the church. We started here. We'll end here. He says, don't burn out. Friends, you don't have to. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Friends, God will take care of you. In every way, every day. God will take care of you. You can trust in that. You can rest. You can be at peace. You can be renewed. Let God raise you up. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.